0: Good morning everyone, it is great to be here, as you can tell I'm not dead yet, and as I've said before, if you're not dead you're not done, and so I will keep on doing And uh, I will do it enabled by halls, this morning's message might be brought to you uh, by halls. As you can hear, my voice is still not quite back to normal, Uh, and so if I cough at one or two occasions, please forgive me, and we'll keep on keeping on, and I'm sure we will be okay. Uh, Just before we dive into the message this morning, I just want to echo one of the announcements that just came up about the coldest night of the year, the walk taking place next weekend. I really hope that those of you who are able to will come and join us for that weekend. And Two or three weeks ago, uh, Pastor Hannah got up and announced the walk and sort of put out a little bit of a challenge or a little bit of an invitation. Uh, if you go onto the website or you follow the link through our weekly email, you can make a donation either to the group or the team uh, walking from White Rock Baptist Church or you can give to an individual. Uh, and so you can kind of see us ranked by who knows the most people apparently or who knows the most wealthiest people I don't know. But right now, Hannah is below me on that list. I still have time. And Hannah still has time. She would love to be above me on that list. So, so I think what I was actually going to say is, for those of you who haven't donated yet and you really want to, you could go in and donate to your favorite pastor, but, but then I'm pretty sure Lisa would actually end up at the top above <laughs> all of us. So so you have time. Go in there, make a donation, assign it to Hannah. It'll be our little secret, uh, but that would really help her for the coldest night of the year. Uh, You might be wondering a little bit of what are they actually raising funds for? Uh, Quite often when, when we talk about funds being raised for sources... We don't always get to appreciate or see exactly where that money is going. Uh, This year, they're not only going to be uh, looking at producing food packages and warm clothing, particularly for those on the streets. Uh, They intend on using a big chunk of that towards counseling services, as well as to purchase a bus, in order for transporting uh, and just kind of becoming a little more accessible and a little more available. Uh, So it really is a great opportunity for us to be a part of what's going on. Um, Yes, our goal is $25,000 for this year. Uh, We're we're so close, and it would just be awesome to be able to reach that goal for that. That's it. As far as that goes, uh, you can check that out on your weekly email. Uh, you've heard Peter this morning, if you're visiting with us or perhaps visiting online and, and joining us for the first time, uh, you've heard Peter this morning use the expression seeking revival a couple of times. Over the last few weeks, that's kind of becoming a little bit of a, a rallying cry, uh, for want of a better word, this idea of seeking Revival. That we here at White Rock Baptist Church, uh, and certainly on the pastoral team, we're not content to just do life. We're not content to just go through the motions. Uh, We're seeking the Spirit of God. We're seeking God to move in our midst. Now, when it comes to revival, there probably are... teen definitions of that. And so I know some of you might go, well, Brian, what do you mean when you talk about revival? What is revival to you? My current working definition of revival is simply this. It is a movement of God that stirs the people of God to practice the things of God. That's simply what revival means. It is a movement of God that stirs the people of God to practice the things of God. Now, two weeks ago, we had a a prayer and worship night here at the church, and and definitely prayer and worship go hand in hand with revival. When the people of God gather together to worship God uh, and come together in prayer and cry out to God. Corporate prayer has always been a part of revival moves of God. I know some of you might be following what's taking place at Asbury University at the moment. Uh, For those of you who might not know, Asbury University had a a chapel uh, on the 8th of February, so just over a week ago, during one of their ordinary chapel services. uh, When the service came to the sort of normal time or the concluding time, it, it didn't end. And people just remained in that chapel, and worship continued, and and prayer continued, and instead of people leaving the chapel, people were drawn in to the chapel. Uh, And after the 8th of Feb, they they had a worship service running for 48 hours. Can you imagine being in a place just worshiping? I know not everyone worshiped for 48 hours, because the human body might just fizzle at that, Uh, but that place was packed. And there are still people going, there's still this, this drawing of people into there. Now I'm not going to make any comments around what's taking place there. I think time will tell, uh, and time will show it. But I, my prayer, my hope, my desire is that indeed what is happening in Asbury will lead to life change for those young people. For those who are there, for those who are in that place of worship, that indeed they would go out. And they would proclaim the gospel. uh, That they would go out and, and preach for the repentance of sins. You heard that in the scriptures this morning. And that indeed there would be changed lives. And that worship would go from being that place of singing, of music, and of prayer, but that worship would play out into their everyday lives. Worship is much more than just singing. I know sometimes in church we talk about our worship time. Uh, We talk about our worship ministry, and and we've kind of gotten into that habit. But worship is so much more. Worship is indeed a lifestyle. I can worship God as I go through the daily routine of my life. So indeed, I can worship in singing and praying, but I can just as easily worship when I eat or drink. I can just as easily worship when I talk to someone else. I can just as easily worship as I share the gospel I can just as easily worship when I drive. I can worship when I give money, when I spend, when I, when I purchase. I can worship when I use my gifts, my talents, and my abilities. And this is what we're invited into. We're invited into that place of worship. Because as, as I said a couple, of year, a couple of weeks ago, there is always more when it comes to worship. So this morning, by sticking with that theme of worship, I want to have a look at a well-known family, a well-known story in the Gospel of John, and I want to show us that we are invited to worship through our service. We're invited to worship through giving, and we're invited to worship through witnessing. If you have your Bibles with you, whether paper or perhaps on your phone, you can turn with me to John chapter 12, uh, and I'm going to be reading from verse 1 to 8, and then later on 9 through 11. Uh, For those of you who might not have that, it will be up on the screen behind me as well. John chapter 12, reading from verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. In uh, John chapter 11, the previous chapter, it ends with Jesus going to Mary and, and Martha's home with, with them to the tomb of their brother Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus has been dead for four days, so we know he was dead. Uh, and in that moment, Lazarus—sorry, uh, Jesus calls Lazarus forth and, and raises him back to life. It, it, was, it was this miracle that the religious establishment uh, kind of got a little bit nervous about, as we will read, in a moment ago. But it's this powerful moment where Jesus shows that he has authority over life and death. And so someone who is dead, Jesus is able to call back to life. And of course now, as we move into the next chapter, we're, we're back together again, and there's this, this thank you celebration, there's this dinner party in Jesus' honor, uh, as people are celebrating that Lazarus, who was dead, is now alive. Uh, Mark, when Mark tells the story that's taking place in Mark chapter 14, uh, he tells us it was in the house of Simon the leper. And as we read through the story and this account of Jesus now with the family, with the friends, with those who were there, marveling at this miraculous uh, bringing back to life, this revival, we actually see three people worshiping in that same place. And those are the three themes I want to look at this morning. The first one is Martha. Martha expresses her worship through service. Martha expresses her worship through service. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom he had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in his honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. So we already know we're at Simon the Leper's house. We're celebrating Jesus because Lazarus is alive. And again, we read Martha is serving. Now, we know Martha is a servant, and we know the story from Luke chapter 10, where Mary and Martha are at, or in their house, and and Martha is serving, and she's doing all the preparations, and where is Mary? Well, she's not working, she's sitting at Jesus' feet. And in that moment, Martha kind of gets frustrated, and even says to Jesus, she doesn't talk to Mary, she says to Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? But now in this instance, there's none of that. In this instance, Martha is quietly serving. We get no hint of begrudgment. We get no hint of frustration or anger. Martha has seen Jesus work a miracle and brought Lazarus back to life. And so Martha now has the sense of, I get to serve. It's not a case of I have to serve or oh, this is just something I have to do while Lazarus just reclines and does nothing. Look at him. These dudes are all sitting here and the ladies are all working. What's up with that? No. None of that. Martha chooses to serve. Jesus has done something incredible, and so she serves. And as I, as I read through this account and as I read of Martha now serving willingly, I'm forced to kind of ask myself, Brian, when I serve, when you serve, how do you feel about that? Is there a sense of begrudgment? Is there a sense of, oh, I have to serve, but I don't really want to? Or do I get to serve by saying, I get to do this? I get to do this because I'm ultimately doing it for my Lord and Savior. And it's His example that I follow. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus says to us, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here I see this example of Jesus and Martha is doing the same. She's serving willingly. And my friends, we're called to serve. We're called to serve God. We're called to serve others. It's going to look different for every one of us we're called to serve. And that service is an act of worship. This is how Martha demonstrates her worship to her Lord and Savior. She worships through service. But not only does Martha worship through service, we do read about Mary. Mary worships through giving. So Martha worshiped through service, Mary worships through giving. In verse 3 we read, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now Mary's worship takes a very different form to Martha's. You know, Perhaps the, the meal is kind of over, or, or, or it's sort of lingering. And in that moment, as everyone's kind of around the table, Mary is, is moved. There's this, this gesture of gratitude within her heart. I don't for a moment believe Mary meant for it to be this big, flashy, showy thing. In fact, I think Mary in that moment was so uh, appreciative and so filled with worship for what Jesus has done that all she could focus on was Jesus. And so t- she takes this jar of perfume she brings it out, and she she breaks off the top of this clay jar, and she kneels before Jesus, and she pours out this pint of perfume on his feet, this most precious of oils. Now, I I know for some of us, we might read this, and we don't understand. You know, we kind of go, what do you mean a year's wages? Like, I can just go down to the shopping mall, and there are like 10,000 different perfumes to choose from, and they're just a couple of bucks. Well, you have to remember in, in this day, in this age, in this time, perfume was, was not easy to come by. It was a sought-after product. It was a valuable product. And so Mary has this, this incredibly valuable uh, thing of perfume in front of her, and she comes and pours it out. There are a couple of things that I think we need to focus on when we look at Mary's act of worship through her giving. And the first thing that I notice is Mary's worship was spontaneous. I don't think Mary really cared about what people would think. And the reason I say Mary didn't care about what people would think was because in that culture and in that practice, the men were at the table reclining. And Mary walks into that place. Not only does she walk into that place, but she pours this perfume on Jesus' feet, and then she lets down her hair. She probably took a shawl off and exposed her hair, which already was shameful. And then she takes her hair, which Paul calls a crown, and she uses that to wipe Jesus' feet. Do you really think she cared what people thought about her worship? It was a spontaneous act of worship. Can you imagine being so caught up in worship? You don't care about what others think. You focus on Jesus Christ alone. And you worship through that giving. Mary's worship was spontaneous. But not only was it spontaneous, it was a sacrifice. Mary's worship was a sacrifice. And I wonder if she perhaps knew what King David had said in 2 Samuel 24 verse 24. King David had said, I will offer nothing to God that costs me nothing. I will not give anything to God that costs me nothing. Mary understood this. And so Mary brings this this extravagant, this expensive gift, this sacrifice. I mean, Judas tells us it's worth a year's wages. And debate happens all the time as to how much it might have been, and and so it keeps kind of changing. But could you imagine taking an annual salary, your years, wages, and breaking it out and just throwing it on the ground? That's what Mary has done. It's this extravagant sacrifice. Mary's taken this most precious thing, and she's offered it to Jesus. You know, there are churches meeting all over the world today and there are places gathering together where people say we are here to worship but I wonder how much worship is really taking place I'm not here to judge anybody's worship but I do wonder if sometimes we come to church and we do not worship and then we leave church and we complain because all the music wasn't good the preaching wasn't good the coffee wasn't good We moan about church and we wonder why there's no change because the real problem is with us in the first place. We do not come to worship. We do not come to offer a sacrifice. We bring no offering. We make no confession. We come to get from God instead of giving to God. We come not to be inconvenienced, but but to have what our wants and needs met. And then we wonder why we sometimes leave as empty as we came. Not so with Mary. Her worship was sacrificial. The third thing I noticed about Mary's worship was it was criticized. It was criticized. She comes out, she's worshiping Jesus, she pours this perfume out, and what does Judas do? He complains. Why are you doing this? Why are you wasting that? That should have been sold. We we could have given that to the poor. And as I read that, I'm kind of reminded that it doesn't matter what you do. It really doesn't. Someone will always find fault with what you do. Especially when we wish to honor God. Especially when we want to worship God. Not everyone approved of what Mary did in that place. Judas makes it all sound so pious, but we know from reading scripture that actually he just wanted the money himself. And so he criticizes this worship but i love how jesus defends her worship in verse 7 jesus says leave her alone it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial you know when this takes place in john chapter 12 here it's less than a week away from christ's crucifixion jesus knew what was coming And Jesus understood, this anointing is in preparation for my funeral and my burial. Leave her alone. In fact, both Matthew and Mark, when they tell the story, they include the lines where Jesus says, wherever this gospel is proclaimed, the story will be told as well. And wouldn't you know it, here we are some 2,000 years later, and we're talking about Mary. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Mary expressed her worship through giving. So let me simply ask you this. What have you given God as an act of worship lately? What have you given God? Mary worshiped through giving. And third and finally, let's look at Lazarus. Lazarus expresses his worship through testimony. Lazarus expresses his worship through testimony. In fact, we can put the next portion up if you've got your Bible still open on John chapter 12. Let's read verses 9 to 11. Verse 9 to 11 says this, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. (laughs) As we read that text, they're not only coming for Jesus, they're coming for Lazarus. Like this poor dude, he's dead. He hasn't even been alive for a couple more days and they want him dead again. Because there was a change in Lazarus' life. He had been raised from the dead. Lazarus was a living witness. You know, there are no recorded words of Lazarus. But it is very clear that Lazarus was speaking, that Lazarus was testifying. And I think his testimony was probably pretty simple I was dead, but thanks to Jesus, I'm alive. I was dead. I was buried for four days. But thanks to Jesus, I am alive. He simply shared of what Jesus had done for him. And because of that simple witness, that simple testimony, that simple story, the religious leaders wanted him dead as well. And all Lazarus had to do was to testify. When I read through this passage in John and I see Martha and Mary and Lazarus, and I realize that if I call myself a disciple of Jesus Christ, if I call myself a worshiper of God, of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then I have to start asking myself, can I testify to God's goodness? Am I able to witness to what God has done in my life? Can I point to this as Jesus at work? And I know that sometimes some of us might feel like we can't. We struggle to find, what can I testify to? Well, I think holding intention, this whole chapter, this whole passage, when I start to serve and when I give, as acts of worship, that's when God moves In, through, and around me. And I have no doubt we will be able to testify to God's goodness. Martha expressed her worship through service. Mary expressed her worship through giving. And Lazarus expressed his worship through testimony. My brothers and sisters, I simply close with this question. How will you worship today? How will you worship today? Let's pray together. Jesus, as I read this account, as you moved in Martha and Mary and Lazarus' life in such profound ways, bringing healing, bringing grace, bringing forgiveness, radically changing their minds to see service as a joy, as something they get to do, to see giving as this act of worship where our focus is on you alone, and then to see the, the power of simply proclaiming what you have done in our lives. Oh, Jesus, that's when, when we see you at work and we see your spirit move. I pray that as we go out into whatever today holds for us, that, God, you would help us by your Spirit to worship, to worship as we should, so that as we worship, indeed, we might experience revival. And, God, may you be glorified, and may your kingdom come, for we ask this in your name. Amen.